As a sales manager, you are judged by the performance of your team and you're praised when they do well. But one thing that you've not been able to figure out is how to get everyone on your team consistently hitting quota every single month. On the Snack Size Sales Podcast, we discuss the science of selling STEM. Sales leadership in the science, technology, engineering, and manufacturing fields is difficult. You will learn from sales managers just like you that will give you actionable insights and tips on how to develop as a leader and achieve your revenue targets every single month. So pop your headphones in and get ready to listen to my guests today. They will give you information and inspiration to ensure that you have actionable insights that you can put into place today. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Science of Selling STEM. Today, I am so excited to be interviewing Alexis Scott. How are you, Alexis? I'm good, Wesley. How are you? I'm doing lovely. Let me tell you guys a little bit about Alexis. She is a well-rounded sales leader with a diverse background of industry experience from hospitality to technology. She has adapted and grown throughout her career. Her passion for building relationships in dynamic organizations and her experience building sales teams makes her a powerhouse in the development of employer partnerships. So hospitality to technology, (laughs) those are like oil and water. How did you get started? And how did you transition to where you are today? Okay, so I got started on a golf course, actually. I was in college and I saw an ad for a job to be a beverage cart girl, which I know this is not the type of sales you're thinking, right? And this is, the story has a point, but basically (laughs) I took that job and I became friends with the food and beverage director. And he saw my interest in the business side of things. And so he's like, you know what? We really need a catering sales manager. I want to train you. I think you'd be amazing. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that's great. So I ended up, they opened up a new clubhouse. And so it was like the talk of the town. Um, They had a big tournament there and whatever. So business was booming. I was booking essentially all the catering for the tournaments and special events and things like that. And he basically told me like, listen, you're doing a great job. But if you want to make more money, you should get into hotels. And I thought, oh, okay, that's interesting. I honestly, I had never even thought of sales as a career, to be quite brutally honest. And now it was kind of falling into my lap. And so I started, you know, looking into what it would be like to be a hotel sales manager. And I ended up getting my first job. It was at the Marriott Fisherman's Wharf in San Francisco. And my career just kind of took off from there. But it was interesting, like personally, I ended up moving to Silicon Valley. And, you know, in Silicon Valley, you're just obviously surrounded by technology. And I always wanted to get into technology sales. And I couldn't. And it was like banging my head on a door. You know, no one would give me a chance. I didn't have tech sales experience. It was very frustrating. And then I moved to Idaho. And this is where the story gets a little bit funny because you don't think of Idaho as a technology enabled <laughs> location per se, but Idaho is also not a hospitality hotspot. And so I knew as I started researching potential job opportunities that my hospitality career was effectively coming to an end. There wasn't a lot of opportunity. The pay was abysmal and I needed to figure out what I wanted to do next. And I had always thought digital marketing sounded really sexy. 
So I ended up taking a job on the marketing team of a company called the Crazy Coupon Lady, which I don't know if anyone has heard of them, but they are the largest coupon aggregate site in America. I had used them. I was super excited and I thought, okay, this is great. I'm going to try something new and something different. It was not for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> it just was not, you know, it was not for me. I'm, I'm sales is my heart. And so it just was very interesting and kind of eye-opening for me. But what it allowed me to do was to build a network and establish some relationships here in Idaho. And there was a company hiring their like hospitality meets technology. The company has both factions. And so it was mm. like, I found their posting for Boise Tech Week of all things. And I thought, oh my gosh, they're having an open house. I need to get down there. And I wasn't like truly looking, looking for a job, but I was curious. And so when I got home from that experience of touring their um, HQ, I looked online and I was like, let's just see who they're hiring for, you know? And I ended up reading what then became my job description and what they were looking for was fascinating because they wanted customer service experience, hospitality sales experience, marketing experience. And I have like a very odd resume, like it's not linear at all. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's me on a piece of paper. That's crazy. So I ended up taking that job and the role evolved into me growing a reservation sales team. That's not what I was hired for. I ended up making a business case for that and they accepted it. And then COVID hit and my entire team of 70 was gone. And so, yeah, this is where, you know, the story takes a turn. I was unemployed mm. for about six months and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I started realizing that I was finding the most joy in helping people find new roles. And so I didn't understand at the time what that would look like for me in the future. I thought maybe I'll be a recruiter. I don't know. And the company that I work for now, Aspireship, ended up hiring some new folks on their team. And so I actually applied to be a candidate experience specialist, which essentially is like on the candidate side of things, helping people prepare for interviews and get ready for their new role. And when I had a conversation with one of the founders, she said to me, we're just curious, why did you apply for this role? That's not your background. And I said, I just want to work with you. I just want to help people. And she's like, love that. However, <laughs> this is what we were thinking. You have this amazing background in sales. Um, what if you worked on our partnerships and you helped us find amazing companies to hire our graduates. And as someone who has lived that story of consistently being turned down because I didn't have specific experience, I was all over it. And so that's kind of why I do what I do and how I got here and why I'm so passionate about it. Wow. Okay. We have a lot to unpack. Yeah, a lot to unpack. <laughs> we have a lot to unpack here. But that's how I got here. Okay. So... The tidbits that I pulled out from your story, the pieces that I really like, and I guess I'll start at the end and, and circle back, it's the fact that you saw this job and it was like, this is me. They are looking for exactly who I am, a person who has all of these different experiences. And if you translate that all the way back to the beginning of your career, we don't always realize why we're doing what we do. Yeah. But it's like, oh, if I could tell my younger self, focus on this or put your all into this. And I really like that there was never a challenge that you didn't say, I'm going to do it. Somebody said, hey, get into hospitality sales. You said, okay, sure, no problem. <laughs> yeah. Not sure how you got to Idaho, but you said, I'm moving to Idaho. And you know what? This is what I do. Oh, let me figure out what to do. And then you said you wrote your own job description, right? Yeah. As a reservation salesperson. So my question for you is that is what I want to hone in on. How did you end up, you went into this company, they were looking for you, this magical person that you are, and you started 
transitioned that job, hired 70 people. Like, talk to us about that. Yeah. Okay. So the original job that I was hired for was something that I had done in practice in a little bit different way. So I was hired to build partnerships with tour operators and travel agents. The company is, I'll just say the name, it's called Vacasa. It's the largest vacation rental property management company in America. And when you book through them, you can either do it through a third party site, you can do it directly, or especially for overseas markets, a lot of people book through travel agents and tour operators. And so they were looking for someone to come in and manage those relationships and build them and negotiate special rates, et cetera. And that's like literally what I did for hotels pretty much. So I was like, okay, I got this, no problem. But what I found was that they didn't have like a true reservation sales team, meaning they had people doing customer service. And if someone would call in and by chance wanted to make a reservation, they would say, okay, sure, let me take that reservation for you. But as a salesperson and someone who is revenue driven, I just couldn't believe it. I'm like, how is this even (laughs) possible in a company this size? And so it turns out that the company had gone through some iterations of what that looked like. And at the time that I joined, there just wasn't one. And so I brought this to the attention of my boss and he was like, yeah, I know. Kind of crazy, right? And I'm like, yeah, so crazy. And he's like, so what do you think we should do about it? And so luckily I had built some really strong relationships in my short time there at the time. And I had a lot of support from others who had been at the company longer who had some insight into what would drive the company to restart this initiative and to be enticed into doing so. So I worked together with some friends, I guess you'd call them coworkers, whatever, um, on a, a true business plan. And ultimately, it's so funny, there was a leader there when I was there. And what he always said was, I want you to start things with what is the problem that you are trying to solve for? Like, why are we even having this conversation? If you're just throwing stuff out there, because it's an idea, that's fine. But if you're not solving a problem, there's no reason for us to push this through. So that's kind of how this conversation blossomed. What was I trying to solve for? And I was trying to solve for lost revenue because you don't have any folks dedicated to bringing it in right now. And so it ended up getting approved a couple months later. And so I remember, I will never forget, I got a text message from my boss and he said, you're getting a team. You need to hire 10 people right away. And I went, oh, okay, here we go. Okay. And I was so excited. I mean, just like, I couldn't believe it. I really couldn't believe that they were listening to me and that they believed in me enough to give me this opportunity. And so hired 10 people and then the company acquired a very large company. And so what happened was the reservation sales teams of that company, I inherited. Wow. So when I say like literally overnight, I mean, truly within two months, I went from 10 to 70 and multiple managers underneath me who I was now responsible for. So it was figuring out onboarding, training, you know, promoting people to managers because we had to manage all of these people, training managers. I mean, it was an explosion. And on top of that, I was going to these locations where the reservation sales teams were to actually meet them. Because to me, as a leader, that's a huge component. Like I want them to understand who I am and and my motivation to help them succeed and how we're all going to succeed together. And remote is great. I will preach that till the end of time. But once you can have that initial connection with someone, even if it's once, and they understand that you're genuine and you want to help, it means the world. So was kicking butt on all of that. And then COVID hit. And that's where the story changes. <laughs> so a lot of times, you know, as um, entrepreneurs or people who are becoming entrepreneurs, one of the things I say that 
salespeople make really good entrepreneurs because as a salesperson, you have to do exactly what you said. You have to make a business plan. You have to think about the risk. You have to pitch your idea, right? And so really having that experience to do that and then them saying yes and hire 10 people. I mean, this company had to, that business plan you wrote must've been rock solid for you to go from zero to 10 literally overnight. And then instead of them saying, oh, okay, we're going to have the person from the other company manage everybody because they have 60 people and, you know, you only have 10. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like, so just that the faith that they had in you as a leader. So you said, hey, I inherited these people. I was thinking about onboarding and training and all of these bits and pieces. So how did, because a lot of times that's what happens when you're a sales leader. I always say it, you get dropped in the middle of the ocean. It's like swim. (laughs) (laughs) Don't drown. Swim. Bring the fish with you. What were some of the, the tips that you can give the audience on how you were able to go from having just being yourself to 10 to 70 and keep everybody straight? Well, you know, I think interestingly on a personal level, one to 70 is a huge ratio, right? So the ability to identify strong leaders to work alongside of me was huge. I had some folks on my initial team that one, I mean, I promoted after like three months because she was taking the initiative to train new people and to come up with materials and all of that. So understanding that it's not just about you and really your team is who's going to like fortify what it is you're trying to do and finding those that you trust and can align with is huge. Can't do it all on your own. That's a huge component. Um, The other thing was and I'm, I'm going to be really honest, I struggle with this and like not micromanaging, especially when it's your baby. Like I get it. We all want to take ownership and want things to go perfectly well and what have you. But the ability to trust others to do what you hired them to do is incredibly important when you have a large team. And I remember, I will never forget this conversation with one of my managers. We were very close. She was like my right hand. And she's like, girl, you got to let us do our job. And it was one of those like very frank conversations. And to this day, I remember it of me sitting back and going, you're right. And I'm sorry. I need to let go. Yeah, that's a powerful statement because a lot of times as leaders, we're doing right. We're in the weeds. We don't let our people, it's okay to let them fail. And you're watching from the sidelines. You're like, oh no, I just want to catch them. But you have to let them tumble. So you can say, okay, so now this is what we're going to do so it doesn't happen again. And that's one of the best learning lessons. Totally. So you built this amazing team and then the bottom fell out of the world. How was it when you really had to sit across from your employees and deliver this news? Funny that you mentioned that. I remember a couple of days prior. So basically we went from 70 people focused on making reservations to a cancellation center in a matter of moments. It was insane. I mean, we were working 16 hours a day. It was like overtime didn't matter. Anyone you could get to handle these cancellations, please have them work, including myself. And one of them messaged me privately and said, are we going to get fired? And I said, absolutely not. I said, look at the work we're doing right now. They need us. They 100% need us. Who else is going to do this? They're overwhelmed. And I had woken up the next morning and I sent a video message to my team thanking them for all of their hard work and just saying, I so appreciate you. Like your heart and soul shows right now. Like everyone was stepping up to the plate. And a couple days later, we got like an email from the company basically saying like, you need to show up on a Zoom call at X time 
And we all got massively fired, including my boss, who had given me the Mm. opportunity. He didn't even know it was coming. So thankfully, I didn't have to deliver the news. Thankfully, I wasn't a liar when I said, you know, like I had no clue that this was coming. Mm. It was very traumatic. Like it was one of those moments in my life that like I will never forget. Wow. I've heard this a lot, even, you know, in, in 2022, like employees getting let go over Zoom. Right. And I think as an employee, when you pour your heart and soul into something, especially like you guys are working extra time, overtime, right? 16 hours a day, not seeing your family, not like, and okay, yeah, we don't need you anymore. And so it makes you feel almost like you're dispensable, right? Like discarded you. Yeah. I mean, that is very much how I felt. Um, I was hurt. I was angry. I was frustrated. I was scared because not only was I dealing with, job loss and unemployment, but there was no opportunity at that time. I mean, the whole world was shutting down. So it's not like now where you're like, okay, fine, Zoom, fire me. I don't care. There's a hundred other jobs. I'll get one. You know, it was truly like, you know, what am I going to do? It was very, very scary. And even unemployment, like, oh, okay, well, you got unemployment. Well, at the time, unemployment was so inundated with applications. You weren't getting unemployment. You were in the line, you were on hold. I remember I was on hold. This is a really funny story. I was on hold for so long and then it would hang up. I had my husband on his phone. I was on my phone. And then I figured out, I said, you know what? I'm going to push the button for Spanish. I know enough Spanish to get me by. And I'm not kidding you. That day I got my unemployment. Wow. (laughs) And I know that the person who spoke Spanish also spoke English, right? So no, but she, she wanted to do it in Spanish, like to like, you know, she wanted to be fair, I'm sure. But I could tell she was like totally kind of laughing inside as I was hobbling through. And then also she'd like try to help me. Like if I didn't know, understand a question quite right, she'd be like asking you again real slow. And then if I still didn't get it, she'd be like, okay, let me just ask you in English. <laughs> it was great. Those... I was so appreciative. That's what I call a sales skills, right? Because thinking in the moment, like only a salesperson would be like, let me try something different. I mean, the worst they can do is tell me no. <laughs> That's all you can do. Slam the phone in my face. Like, no, go back and cue. Okay. So you had this time of soul searching. I mean, the world fell out. I mean, March, 2020, I lost 50% of my contract. It was a horrible time all over the world, right? And so you took time. And during this time, you said, what do I want to be when I grow up? Like, what do I really want to do? How did you get to a place where you decided this is where my passion lies? It was not easy. So I was very fortunate in the sense that I had a lot of people who wanted to help me and they would ask me, okay, what do you want to do? The problem lied within myself because I didn't have an answer and everyone immediately went to sales, right? Like, and I'm like, I don't want to do sales. I'm so tired of sales. I don't want to do sales anymore. Girl, if you ask me today, I would still say that. And I still am so passionate about my job. Mm -hmm. So it's like this inner war with myself because there's so much challenge that comes with sales, but yet there's so much gratification and success. And like, I love what I do. So Mm -hmm. that's another story for a different day. However, what I will tell you is I was applying for, for, I started out doing, I think what most people do, which is like, I'm going to apply to everything and see what hits. And it was not fruitful, of course. And then I started focusing on roles that other people were referring me for. Not necessarily like 100% in my wheelhouse, but like wheelhouse adjacent that I thought I could do that. I could be happy doing that. That's fine. And 
I would get to like the last round and then I would get not chosen. I would get rejected, but it was like weird reasons. Like one company, they decided after three rounds of interviews that I didn't have child development experience. And so therefore they were not going to hire me. And I'm like, hi friends, you knew this. Like after interview one, like if that is the reason for not hiring me, like why did we go through all of this? Another one, an owner of a company had approached me and said, would you be interested? I had this opportunity. I think you would be great. And I thought, yeah, I mean, I'm super interested. He goes, I want you to meet my right hand. Perfect. Okay. First interview, have the conversation. And his feedback for me was that he felt I was too managerial and that this role would not be like, I don't know how he phrased it, but the too managerial I'll never forget. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, that is a very interesting comment. And what I wonder is if you feel that I am too qualified for this job and therefore you are not willing to give me the opportunity. But at the time, that was the first one I cried at because it was like just such an emotional, like, God, I can't even get a job I'm overqualified for now. Like, this is crazy. So long story short, it was a process. And I remember about four or five months in my husband being like, listen, what is the deal? Like, are you going to take a job? And I'm like, No, I said, I have made it this far. I am like going to find my freaking dream job at this point because no, I am not settling. And about that four to five month mark is where I had started to make really incredible connections on LinkedIn. I mean, I call it like my COVID crew. We are still friends. We still talk quite often. And these are people who lost their jobs, successful people who had lost their jobs and were navigating this same process with me. And so people were starting to slowly get hired. It was like, okay, things are coming back. And I had joined a sales community. I'm huge on community. Like online communities can change your life. And I mean that, and I will swear up and down by that. Who you know will change your life. And it doesn't need to just be in person. So put that aside. But I had joined a sales community and I had started interacting with some folks from Aspireship, the company that I work for now, on LinkedIn. And like I told you at the beginning, when I saw that they were hiring, I just thought, wow, like this is the intersection of everything that I love. I love, I remember my first conversation with Corey, the founder, the last thing I said to him was, wow, you have found a way to help people and make money. I love that. And so that's just how I perceived it. It was like, I could still help people and do what I was passionate about, but I could also take my career skills and what I was good at. And it was this crazy intersection of the two. And I just thought, this is like the universe talking to me. They literally created my job for me. It was never posted. They just knew about me. And it was like, we worked together on my job title. We worked together on my job description. We even worked together on my salary. And let me tell you, salary was a huge hot topic over COVID. I was fighting to get peanuts, you know? And they were like, no, we want to pay you what you're worth. Like, let's talk about this. Let's find Mm. a fair number. So it was just such a night and day experience to all of the heartbreak that I had been experiencing in the six months prior that I just like knew this was the right thing for me. Mm. You know, I think that really when we we set our intentions, right? We talk to people, we put it out into the universe. We let people know this is what I want to do. This is what I'm doing. It seems like the stars just become aligned. I want to drill down a little deeper into something that you mentioned, the, the tug of war of sales, that internal tug of war. That yes. we all have. <laughs> yes. but I don't want to be in sales. Yeah, I like sales. No, I don't want to do this. Talk to me about those things that you may still feel or have felt in the past. And how do you work through those things? It's the highest of highs and the lowest of lows in sales. You know, at one minute, all those contracts are coming. I'll give you an example. Last month, I had a lot of conversations 
a ton of conversations and I was so frustrated because these dang contracts were not coming back. And it's February 2nd and it's, my boss calls it the contractalanche. She's like, oh, the contractalanche is coming. Cause I'm like, oh my God, they're signing. They're all signing. This is great. You know? And so that frustration that you can't control to a certain degree, I mean, you can control what you put in, right? But you can't control other people. And unfortunately in sales, it's like the 31st versus the first means something. To them, it might not mean something, but to you as a salesperson, it means something, right? And so that's hard. That's hard to tackle emotionally. There are days where I'm like, I'm horrible at this. I suck at this. And then there are other days where I'm like, mm -hmm, okay, you know who you're talking to, you know? It just totally depends. And it's such a mindset game. It really is. So understanding that, you know, your your sales numbers doesn't make who you are. It doesn't define your skill set. All of those things are super important as you embark on a sales career, because like I said, you will have the highest of highs and you will have the lowest of lows. And it doesn't change who you are as a person. It doesn't change how like strong of a salesperson you are. Like it just is what it is. And for me, I always struggle. Like probably my biggest struggle is I am a multi-passionate individual. This is a new term that I just learned and I'm so excited about it because it took me so long to articulate what I mean by this. I love a lot of things and I can do a lot of things and I can be passionate about a lot of things. And so the ability to identify what is most important to me or my why and how I can take what I'm good at and apply it to that has kind of been a, an adult lifelong challenge. And what I am finding is that no matter how far away I try to get from sales, I always come back to it. So there is something inherent about me that I don't know if it's because I'm quote unquote good at it. I don't know if it's because I'm good at people and relationships, communication. I mean, if you think of all of the soft skills that it takes to be really good at sales, I have a lot of those. And so at some point, you just got to stop fighting it. <laughs> just gotta, just, just lean gotta into go it, right? Yeah, just lean, lean into exactly. it. One of the jobs that you had that you you hated, um, it's funny because uh, you talk about the crazy coupon lady. And at one yeah. time in my life, I was a crazy coupon lady. I was actually, I was one of those people who had the binders. This is when the show with the yes. people, the, yes. I wasn't that crazy, but like I had my binder and I was like, I was like focused on it. Right. Yep. And that was when I really realized you're a really good negotiator because I went in with things like I would, I had this thought and I was not in sales at that time. I was actually a chemist working in the lab and I was wow. like, everything is negotiable. Even if you go and try to buy a TV, you can get something off. Right. And so when you talk about having that tug of war within yourself, it's like, ah, oh, but that was like years before I even stepped foot into sales. Right. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to go up in the ranks. I'm going to be a supervisor in a lab. I'm going to be the chief chemist. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And it's like, you fight those things that you're so good at. And one thing that I tell emerging salespeople, especially the, the new ones coming in, the thing that people tell you is annoying or that irritates them to the, your, their core, that's what's going to make you good at sales. So if it's your gift of gab, <laughs> if it's pushing the envelope, if it's like my seven-year-old is like, he questions to the nth degree. He's like, well, but why mommy? But why? But why? I'm like, oh my gosh, you would be a really good salesperson because you ask so many questions, right? And you get deep. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think that tug of war that we have within ourselves, a lot of times we just have to lean into it. You know what I yeah. mean? And say, this is just who I am. Well, totally. And the other thing too, it's funny. I had a conversation with a potential partner yesterday and he was talking about the personalities of Aspireship graduates. 
and I said, first of all, we don't have a typical personality profile. Like everyone is so different and that's just life. That's any sales team anywhere. Nobody's all the same. I mean, that's just not normal. But anyway, his question was, is everyone extroverted and everyone like, you know, kind of that pushy salesperson. And I said, actually, what we teach is the opposite. We teach them to ask questions and to understand their buyer. The point is not to push a product. The point is to solve a problem. But how do you know someone's problem is if you're not asking the right questions? And so it's this trickle down effect of being a great question asker and a great listener. And if you can do those really well and connect with people, that is what I believe will make you a great salesperson. You know, really understanding your buyers and, and what is motivating them and driving them and what they're trying to solve for. You can make a sale all day long if you're like, hey, you know that broken foot? I got a cast for you. You want it? <laughs> you know? <laughs> It is. I mean, and the thing is, it's. It, I am like you. It's the opposite of what people think. It, a lot of people think about, oh, sales. It's like the used car salesperson. Yeah, it's following yeah. you around a lot and it's pushy. Yeah. But some of the best salespeople I know are introverts. They don't talk that much. They yeah. question. They ask. They really try to get to the root of the problem. Mm -hmm. But then you have those extroverts who they're so bubbly that they keep the conversation going. And so there, you're right. There's not a one size fits all. Mm -hmm. So what do you guys do at Aspireship? You mentioned, you know, the, your graduates. Tell us more about yeah. that. So Aspireship is an on-demand SaaS sales training platform. So we train anyone interested in learning software sales, essentially. Um, it is a full cycle course. So we're teaching you sales methodology and the sales process. And if you are able to prove competency through a final assessment, we will actually help you get hired for free. All of it mm. for free. So literally anyone interested in getting into software sales, I, I can't not recommend it. It costs you nothing. Like you have everything to gain, nothing to lose. Um, it's just an incredible program. So what I actually do is I find companies who are interested in hiring for potential. Like this is where I see myself as the piece of the puzzle. Without me doing my sales, my hard work, there's no jobs to be had. And my number one thing is I really want to help people transition into these careers and especially those who have say this is my biggest thing is like when companies say must be SaaS experience I get so frustrated because that was me and you can do the work there's a methodology and I totally agree that yes it should be learned to be successful but just because you haven't learned it already doesn't mean you can't and these are people who are willing and able to put in the work with no guarantee what does that say about them when they join your team how are they going to treat this job they're going to put in the work. And the thing is, it's crazy to me because when I got into sales so many years ago, that was the thing. You can't get a sales job with no sales experience. And there was a company that was like, we don't want salespeople. We want chemists. We want engineers. Love and so that. that is how I got my first sales job. But so many years later, companies are still telling me the same thing. Like I work with them and they're like, but they have to do this, 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 and that. I'm like, so listen, here's the thing. <laughs> If your product is as good as you think it is, you can teach them the product. Yep. You need somebody who has solid sales skills. Some yep. of the best salespeople I have gotten come from cross industries. And I tell these companies, stop hiring your competitors rejects because that's all you're doing. You're hiring yep. your competitors rejects when you say they must have this experience. Why not open your eyes a little bit? No, I completely agree. And what I tell people is, listen, I'm going to find you the people you can't find yourself because you're not looking for them. Exactly. You're looking for the wrong things. They're looking for the absolute wrong things. Totally. So you have had such a diverse career. I mean, all the way <laughs> from have. the greens to helping 
graduates find jobs in SaaS sales. What is one thing throughout your life, throughout your career that you're really proud of accomplishing? I would say probably my landing my job at Aspireship simply because I was coming from like one of the darkest places emotionally and professionally of just feeling like the rug had been ripped out from under me. I mean, when I was at Vacasa, I thought this is it. I am climbing the ladder. I'm doing the things. I'm going to do this, that, and the other. And it was like, well, actually, no, you're not. And so that was very hard to process emotionally and to go from feeling like garbage, you know, just thrown out at the first sign of trouble to feeling like a treasure that they had uncovered and that they were so excited about working with me that they would create an opportunity to work with me. Like that felt incredible. You know, it was very touching to me and I'll remember it forever. Mm, Yes. Someone took a chance on you, right? And they took you out of that dark place because a lot of times when we're we're down in those deep depths, it's hard to pull ourselves up and getting some of that external validation. Like, yes, Alexis, you are just as amazing and awesome as you were the year before the company came in and said, whoosh, where the world just went to kapoosh, right? And so uh, knowing that this is something that I love to say that your company's insides matches outsides. Like the external thing that you guys are doing, helping people get jobs in SaaS sales, but knowing that they're practicing what they preach, helping people get into this industry within their company and actually co-creating this job for you. I think that that is amazing. And your CEO, hopefully they're listening. They definitely hats off, hats off. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I, some of my former co I'm still friends with very many of my former coworkers. And at the beginning, when I first took this job, I don't know, maybe three, four or five, six months in, they follow me on LinkedIn. And so they see all my posts and they text me. Okay. Tell us the truth. Do you really love your job this much? (laughs) It's true. And I know it's very hard for some people to understand how you can be so connected to your work, your mission, your coworkers, you know, be really passionate about what you do and express that authentically. I think sometimes people are like, like, just like them, like, come on, tell me the real story. What's going on over there? But really everything that I share is hundred percent true. My feelings, my thoughts, my emotions about how it is we do what we do and and my relationships with those that I work with both internally and externally. Um, My goal is to be honest and to portray a truly honest situation to give people hope. That's one of the biggest reasons that I post so much on LinkedIn is because even though, you know, some people seem like they have everything together, no one does. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been doing this. We have all struggled at some point and are potentially struggling now. You just don't know it. And so if I can tell my story, if I can share insights, um, connect people, that's a huge thing for me. I love connecting people. I posted about that today. I will do whatever I can to help those around me be successful in their own right. And those who want to get started, yes, like, let's do it. I will help you however I can. I love it. I love it. I love it so much, so much. I really thank you for your candor and saying, you know, this this is the real deal. This is really what happens in sales. And when you're laid off, let go. And when you have to literally kind of say, step back and what do I want to be when I grow up? Yeah. What is my next step going to be? Right. Yeah. And so thank you so much. And I know you're a big LinkedIn person. Is that the best way for people to get connected with you if they want to chat? Yes. 
if anyone is curious, anyone wants to chat, please find me on LinkedIn, um, Alexis Scott. If you type in my handle, it's Alexis J. Scott. Um, but I work at Aspireship. Picture me with big smile. I'm a happy person. Come say hi. <laughs> Awesome, awesome, awesome. So thank you so much, Alexis, for sharing your time, your story, your energy, and your expertise with us. We truly appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Wesley. This has been amazing. And I look forward to connecting with your folks and chatting. Anyone who wants to talk sales, again, say hi. <laughs> awesome. That was another episode of the Signs of Selling STEM podcast. Thank you so much for being loyal listeners. I truly appreciate it. Keep those comments coming in and those questions rolling. And remember, in everything that you do, transform your sales. Until next time. Thank you for joining us today on the Snack-Sized Sales Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe and leave us a review. Learn how to continue increasing your bottom line by getting simplified sales strategies delivered to your inbox weekly by going to www.snacksizedsales.com. Trust me, your bank account will grow and love you.